0: Hey Sox fans, welcome to Good Guys Talk Back, a local fan-centric Chicago White Sox podcast hosted by Nick Morowski and Pat Hester. Hey Sox fans, welcome back to Good Guys Talk Back, uh, episode 232. I am Nick Morawski. This is a fan-centric Chicago White Sox podcast. Uh, we do this live eight o'clock on Sunday nights on our YouTube channel. Appreciate if you uh, subscribe. You can find us uh, the video, of course. Their audio, absolutely everywhere uh, you find your podcasts. Uh, got to, uh, <laughs> we got a lot to get to because after just after our last episode, the the whole the the Kenyan Middleton stuff dropped. We didn't even get to talk about all that. It's old news to everybody, but we're still fired up about it. And of course, the sacks were swept by Milwaukee Uh, to chop everything up. My very good friend, diehard sacks fan, Pat Hester. Hello, sir,
1: buddy. It's good to talk to you. Yeah, it was a shame we missed the breaking news. We could have broke it uh on yep. our show. I could hours. We missed know.
0: it by hours.
1: But, you know, it is what it is. You know, it's uh, people obviously don't come to us first with breaking news. That's OK. We're a podcast after all. But uh, happy to chop it up with you and. And all the other, the rest of the uh, the uh, cesspool that is White Sox Twitter <laughs> and White Sox Nation, as uh, as Rick Hahn yeah. co- calls us.
0: Yeah, definitely want to get to all that. Um, Sacks are forty seven and seventy two as we record. Uh, Twenty five games under five hundred, huh? How about that? Uh, as the as the Bears had their first preseason game, uh, and you'll see, uh, you know, schools back in session, football starting. And, of course the way the socks are uh, I have a I believe you know interest of course is gonna just completely fall off the cliff it if it hasn't already uh this team is uh, 14 and a half back if you're you know paying attention to those types of numbers um it was Milwaukee's in town and you know if you could pick a second favorite team which I don't have a second favorite team it's socks, socks socks I I, I I could get and root for Milwaukee. I, I like the city, uh, close by, uh, there are needle in the Cubs sides, uh, fun town, fun stadium. I've had a blast up there in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, you know, it was a shame, not surprising, but a shame we get swept, uh, Elvis night on Friday. You were there in person. Why don't we kick it off with your, some of your
1: experiences
0: from the game?
1: Um, well, let's start with, uh, you know, the predictability that they would lose in in extra innings. I mean, is there a worse team in all of baseball in extra innings? I can't pick out one. Yeah, I know, man. you know, this team is bad, so they're going to be bad at a lot of things. It just it just blows my mind how they will continuously lose in extra innings, and it's like not even a—it's almost a foregone conclusion. You know the the uh, the the flying Elvises—they were there. They jumped in. They parachuted in three of them uh, before the game. That was fantastic. Lots of folks in jumpsuits. There was some good stuff. Two Elvises, right? You had you had Elvis Andrews for the Sox, and sure, you had an Elvis. I can't think of his last name, but a pitcher for uh, for the Brewers. So that How was something. That. Two Elvises. Wow. Wow. um You know, Kopech uh, obviously had his struggles uh, early on, which can seems to be a continuing theme. Uh, Heard a lot of chatter about him earlier today on White Sox weekly. When I was tuning in, on my driving around town? Believe it or not. Listening to a Jeff Miller stepping in for a Connor McKnight, who had play by play duties today. (laughs) Uh, And there was, yeah, a lot of hope still. Uh, And we can, we can break that down sometime. I don't know if today's the right day, but the, the hope still for uh, a, you know, Michael Kopech and what he could become. Um, but again, it's it's close games are going to be lost by, by bad teams and won by good teams. And when you go into extras against this team, that's all it takes.
0: Kopech's post-game comments are oozing of confusion, frustration. I mean, it's the same stuff over and over. You know, he, he's flat out just tired he even said it i'm just tired of talking about this how i'm grinding you know how i don't know what's going on uh it it just seems like he has slipped out of some repeatable motion that he might have had and that becomes almost a new norm The, the the a different type of motion ball release whatever and that becomes what he's using and he can't get back to what You know, it works for him. And we see these moments, sometimes within games, sometimes an entire game, few and far between, definitely not at all what I hoped for from Michael Kopik, a guy that, I'm sorry, he's going to be a starter. I I just don't see them pushing him to the bullpen. He's going to be in your rotation in 2024. And I just want him to get as many, I guess, confidence-building starts as he can the rest of this year to go into the offseason with his head up high, got something to, you know, go off of. And this is is another bummer on on Friday.
1: Let me ask you this question, Nick, and maybe this maybe I'm looking too much into it, especially after what came out, you know, like we had mentioned shortly after our last podcast. Uh, It was referred. It was mentioned that, you know, uh, Yaz isn't a friend of the pitcher's. Is there, uh, do, you, do you believe there'd be any kind of different outcome or any different consistency having a different battery mate? You know, someone that could go out and say, this is something that you're missing. You're not consistent. It. You're not repeating this. Remember that time in this game back when, when you were doing this and we talked about it and you corrected it. Is there anything to read into there? And, and I, I don't, I can't really look back and say Kopech was good with, with this catcher and not good with Yaz or he was good here. I, you know, I, I'd take a lot more digging. I'm just curious. Uh, you know, what your thoughts are. Is there anything to do with, you know, a guy that a lot of people are calling to be DF8 and, and say, see you later?
0: I, I think there's something to make of that, especially with a guy that seems to be a little fragile like Michael Kopech and, you know, needs that reassurance, maybe needs that, needs a comfortable battery mate that, uh, you know, he gets along with that can read him really well, can calm him down, get him back on track, uh, I, I think a guy like Kopech, who who is struggling, who is so much more inconsistent than consistent, uh, needs that. Now, uh, uh, a veteran that is just man time tested. I don't know if they, yeah, I'm sure they they have some favorites, but it's like you put down the numbers, so to speak, and and I'll put it where you want it. You know, I, I'm that confident with my stuff and how I can perform, uh, and and that's where a catcher just sits back and is just like okay, you know, I'm just facilitating this, you know, I'm just, I'm just here as a backstop where in a Michael Kopik situation, he might need, he really might depend on that backstop. And if the battery's not right and the chemistry's not right, I could see him in, in some of the ways he's been, you know, just, you know, the mental side of it, that could be, that could be a struggle for him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it just, again, it's just interesting because I just wonder if, if Yaz is kind of checked out, you know, he's, you know, he sees he's got about a month, month and a half left with this team. Why do I have to put a lot of effort into a teammate that, or any teammates, then I'm not going to be around. And and again, going back to, he hasn't been a such great teammate seemingly uh, to this point. And from what I'm hearing, the Sox have tried very hard to trade him. And there was no takers for Yasmani Grandal, no surprise. Yeah. So, Again, just just mm-hmm. I, I, again, this is all speculation. Just me thinking and, and and wondering about you know a guy that's got a lot of talent that that has kind of fell off you know the face of the earth, and look at a, a guy like Cease too. Look back at what he's done this year, and last year Cease had his breakout year. It was fantastic. And who was missing most of the year last year due to injury? It was Yasmani Grandal, who's mm-hmm. been here for the most part this year. Yasmani Grandal. I don't know if there's anything to read into all that, Nick, but it's, mm. again, I just can't get it out of my head, not a friend, not a friend of the pitchers.
0: Yeah, that's uh, I, I definitely want to get into the the Middleton stuff. And then that, that, you know, apparent dust up between Yaz and TA in the dugout, uh, a couple more things from the Milwaukee series. I mean, Aaron Bummer had a rough series. Uh, Friday, he you know over overthrew the the catcher. That went back to the backstop, took a couple runs scored. I mean, I don't know where he was throwing, what he was doing. On Sunday, rough outing, gave up a three-run home run uh, after walking the first batter, I think, or first two batters he had, and then a wild pitch. Um, Jesse Scholten's Pretty good, a pretty good outing on Saturday. Grifole left him in maybe a batter or two too long, uh, which was just you know uh managing 101. You know, it's Griffo just I don't know what well, he's doing, I, you I, know. I
1: will say that that again, there was something that was talked about on, on White Sox Weekly today, Nick, and it was interesting uh to hear the take from, from Conor Knight because I think if I if if I heard him correctly, um after he issued the first batter that got on, on base against him uh the next guy hadn't walked in like 67 consecutive at bats or no yeah he hadn't walked in like 67 consecutive at bats and he strikes out a lot so i think you're looking to test uh uh schulton's there in that situation and see if he can get through and a guy that you know, statistically, you should be able to get out. So I think what you're going to see now, and, I, and again, I'm not going to defend Pedro Grafal because you know some of the comments that he's made lately are just head scratchers, and I can't even believe that would come out of a manager's mouth at this point in the year, given where they're at in, in the standings. But um, he may be managing a little bit differently, seeing where guys can go in certain situations, pushing them past maybe where he would normally put them, but in Jesse Schulten's situation, you got a guy that you want to see. This is a great opportunity to see if this guy maybe can be a a, a starting rotation type guy for you. And here's a great opportunity here to get out of an, uh, out of this inning. So,
0: yeah, again, I, I
1: normally I would say that was ridiculous. But in that situation, I'll give him maybe a little bit of a pass.
0: Here's Pedro from earlier this week. Uh, we're never going to compromise a major league win because they're really, really hard to come by. At the same time, these things uh, we have to correct before we move forward, and that's one of them. Just have to get better, better at it. Talking about fundamentals and essentially talking about development to the point of why is Elvis Andrews still playing every single day? Why mm-hmm. is Yasmani Grandal, of course, out there? Sebi is having some injuries and you know, they're finally giving Carlos Perez a look because of an oblique injury by uh, Sebi Zavala. So I guess counterpoint is that that would be hypocritical then of Graffol's stance of you're trying to, you know, you're trying to have Shulton develop into maybe a gamer and to get out of certain situations until instead of, hey, he's a little gassed. He's gone about as long as he's ever gone. If you're looking to win and you're not going to compromise wins cuz they're hard to come by, then get your bullpen in. You know, so yeah, I, I can I completely understand that and that's where it's like Grafoglio you're lying. You're absolutely yeah. lying here. The the Sox are now 25 games under. I think they were like maybe 22 when he said that or something. Completely out of the race. Just call it, man, cuz now we we will, we want to see the development. That's all we've got here moving forward to the end of the season. I want to see who's going to be around in, in 2024 or who might be vying for positions in, uh, in Arizona. So, you know, he could have just been lying to our face and and knows all along that this is about development, but maybe he just wanted to put that out there for the fans and the ticket payers. And I, I want, I want blood here. I want to see a win. If I'm shelling out the same amount of money, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, you know, I, Again, I think Shultons could very well be in your 2024 rotation. Does that make it right? In my mind, not really. I would like the Sox to do better. But here's a guy that spent what six, seven years in the minors. He's 29, 30 years old. He's had a few starts. Is he really gonna all of a sudden figure it out, you know, and put it <laughs> together? And you know, again, he'd be a back end guy, but the Sox shouldn't settle in any spot. So, but 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 that's where we're at.
1: But it's interesting though, Nick, and I. It's a good rebuttal in reminding me of of his comments because, um, I, I think it just displays that the guy is. I mean, a little bit out of his out of his league, you know, in terms of where he's at. Um, they did have. I did hear Elvis Andrews today talk about Grifols getting a little bit more comfortable now that he's been in the spot for a while, <laughs> and he had mentioned he mentioned Pedro's actually having fun which I'm so glad about. I I didn't want Pedro not to be having a good time. I'm I'm glad he's finally having fun. Sure. Uh, So that's good. Winning is fun and fun is winning. Um, So, yeah. Uh, But the comments about the, you know, we won't sacrifice uh, a development for wins or vice versa, or however he phrased it. To me, that's a fireable offense. If that's how he truly feels, I mean, at this point, look at where you're at in the standings and, and where this team is at. And the fact that if, if it were me, I'd be begging for these young kids to come up because if the, if he's going to be managing them next year, I'd like to get them up here and fail now in the major leagues and have some adversity and, and get a taste of it and kind of bounce back from that and learn how to grow from that. And you're not going to get that at the same level in the minor leagues, especially depending on who you're going playing. I haven't looked ahead a hundred percent, but you may be playing some teams that are pushing for playoff spots and, and those are teams that need wins. So when you're playing teams that are motivated, I think that's the best spot for these young guys to come in because you're not going to get that kind of uh, same juice down in the minor leagues. You might as well get them up and get them a taste of it while you have that. It's a golden opportunity to do so.
0: Yeah, we, uh, I think we've got a guy, Corey Lee, is, his name is a, a catching uh, prospect that Grafol talked a little bit about recently and, and what he's been able to do in, in the farm system, uh, just in a small sample size, and that we might see him you know, later this year, which again, I absolutely see as many people as you can. This is the time to do it. It's over. You, know, you try to find some way uh, to be constructive you know, during these, uh, wh- however many games we actually have left here, uh, the remaining part, half of August and all of September. So, uh, again, yeah, grafol is, um, if he's having fun now, finally, is it maybe because the pressure's off? Like they, they know where they know where they're at. And, uh, well, he's,
1: he's thinking, well, oh, this, this is familiar. I know what this is, feels like. I, <laughs> I spent you know, most of my career in Kansas city in this same position. Whew. Yeah, Damn, this is comfortable. Let's
0: uh, let's get to the Keenan Middleton stuff. Uh, I know this is old news for a lot of folks, and uh, we just haven't, you know, put our take on it. It, it came out just hours uh, after we recorded our last episode. Um, you know, I popped off on it uh, on lockdown, and and I know so many other people have. Uh, you, you've you've read the whole thing. You know, Middleton, you know, was interviewed by Jesse Rogers of ESPN. Middleton, of course, is on the Yankees. This was right before the Sox Yankees uh, tangled last week. Uh, Middleton saying, you know, there's a lack of leadership. There's no rules. Guys were sleeping in the maybe a guy was sleeping in the bullpen. People showed up or didn't show up to fielding practice. There were no consequences. Uh, The culture essentially is is weak. You know, it's a problem. And you know, used a comparison to his immediately when he found out he was being traded to the Yankees, he shaved off his beard, didn't want to, but he knew what the expectations were, knew what the rules were in New York and wanted to fall in line. And I think he might even have said something with his very short time in New York about how it's so different. Um, Middleton, not the first former White Sox player to say stuff like that, you know, and of course, there's always that thought of like, well, there's an ax to grind here. You know, they just got traded or they were just DFA'd or something. But, you know, Keuchel has said stuff. Lance Lynn backed up Middleton's uh, comments in, on A.J. Brzezinski's uh, Fall Territory podcast. Jake Berger talking about, you know, how much fun he's having in Miami, which I think that's a little bit of a, uh, you know, a needle to the socks because he probably wanted to stay in Chicago. Um, so, uh, it was uh, wasn't terribly shocking for me as a lifelong Sox fan. It was just another layer of disgust uh, mm-hmm. if this is really going on. And I think it is going on because it has been talked about by Grafol and Han in certain respects for a while now about how they're trying to, you know, change things. And there's a culture movement. And we got to get the right guys in here that fit. So your thoughts, Pat, when you kind of, uh, process this article and, and maybe thing everything after.
1: You know, it's it's odd because you don't think about the guys that left. I don't think, for the most part, as the guys you would think would be the problem children, right? Mm-hmm. The guys that left, like like Lance Lynn, I think for the most part was a fan favorite just because he kind of fit the mold of the guy that I think the Chicago fan roots for, right? says what he thinks goes out there you know guts and nuts and all that stuff that he was but quite honestly he he probably and most likely was an, an irritant to most people and rubbed people the wrong way and it was interesting you know also that you hear about the the meetings that they had as a team and and no position player outside of uh, Ben spoke at these team meetings, it was all pitchers. And Ben Attendee is a guy that, you know, just got here for the most part. So I, I, it's hard to understand why there's so many clicks and why the clubhouse was the way it was and why these guys couldn't come together to play together as, as a unit. And not, that, again, that they have to have dinner together at night and not that they have to hang out all the time, but it just seemed like there was such a disdain be seen between certain groups of them that they didn't really give a shit about each other, which is just almost alarming really for a team that we saw grow from this fun team back in 2019 to 2020 and 2021. Two two years
0: ago, your field of dreams walk off. Yeah. uh, You
1: know, and then it evolves into this really uh, toxic relationship between a lot of guys seemingly uh, in the clubhouse. And, And you had mentioned or alluded to it, the, you know, maybe happened, maybe didn't happen. You know, Monty Grandal and Tim Anderson slap her around the world um, type of confrontation. I mean, well, but that, that even too doesn't really surprise me all that much, Nick. We know that that's happened in major league clubhouses mm, sure. fights yeah. have happened before. So I don't know. It's embarrassing, right? When you yep. think about all the things that we as fans, you know, we, we try and drum up any little thing we can to continue to love this team. And all it does is hate us back. You know, all this team does, this management, these players, the the organization as a whole, just continues to stick its middle finger up at us. But we still love them somehow.
0: Yeah, it's the it's the hope. You know, it's that the finally they'll get it. They'll get it right. You know, the, the finally they'll they'll somebody will be removed in the front office. Several people will be removed. There's new ownership. Something will change. Serious change will happen uh, to mitigate. Uh, the rot, the organizational rot. And that, and that almost has to be just a complete teardown. Everything has to be, you know, you, you got a rotting deck in the backyard and you want to, you know, maybe fix a couple planks, you know, put some new paint on, do something. And, you know, and, and you'll, the advice you'll get is this is a teardown. This thing is rotting from the inside. You can you can try to rehab it a little bit. But you're just going to go through this process even worse uh, down the line. And th- this culture stuff, like, like, you know, like this not knowing that, or Pedro thinking he had leaders, but he found out he didn't have leaders. And then Gian's like, look, you're supposed to be the leader. Hello. Mm-hmm. Where were you at in all of this? Well, Pedro doesn't know what he's doing. He's a first year manager from the Royals. So these players are probably looking at him, especially veterans, like, who are you? Yep. you know like and maybe Pedro just didn't have a voice and and I believe he probably had no handle on how to fix this he had no idea what he was getting himself into and he didn't know how to recorrect it um this I'm going to read you Han a brief Han statement on this whole is there any way you do stuff. it in Han
1: voice can you can you are you a good impressionist Nick you're you're an extremely funny person but I don't uh, know uh, how good your impressions are
0: no, because I, I think I'm going to read his actual quote. If I could add little, I'm sure I would add in some some of his, you know, uh, Harvard, uh, MIT, wherever the <laughs> heck he went, Michigan. The, the he, he uses he uses some interesting vocabulary, and he, you know, the way he froze his brow and kind of, you know, he, he, he very mm-hmm. it, it makes you feel like he really cares the way he delivers it. You know, he's putting mm. on such an acting job of how he's selling this, but. Here we go. Uh, No one in this organization for the last several weeks has run from the fact that we've had culture issues and we need to improve the leadership in that room. Uh, We're going to continue to strive to get better at that area. Uh, But one thing we're not going to do is stand idly by while false reports are put out there about the character of the men that remain in that room. And Han tried, I think he you know, negated most of Middleton's comments and had an excuse for everything. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, said, this is something we've been dealing with. And he almost made it sound like, well, we we took care of it at the trade deadline, so it's old news. Uh, I don't know why we're talking about it right now. Um, It sounds like it's been going on for a long time. So here's Graffole. This one's great. Uh, We're moving forward. Uh, We're moving forward with new laid foundation on rock, not on muck. On rock, uh, that is going to sustain any little problem that we may have. So, culture is a big deal to me. Uh, it's the most impar- important part of a winning franchise, and we're determined to build it and build it the right way. Um, where was this, you know, X amount of years ago? Where, where was this in the fall of 2022 when they were looking for a new manager? We're going to do this the right way. We're, we're going to do this and we're not going to have any. You're always going to have some issues when there's, you know, when there's a overlap, right? When there's a change mm-hmm. of, of coaching staff and manager. But, you know, if you think you had some problems and some clicks and some culture stuff last year, okay, and you saw an opportunity where we're going to have to put a new manager in, then I don't know why you go after a guy that has got a proven track record, that will get people's attention that knows how to handle this kind of stuff and can set the foundation on rock from the beginning not this game we're playing now in in august do it from the beginning uh, i don't know why you go about doing that uh, from the start but that's where we're at now
1: well I, I again you know i think it was said in in the uh, in the article you know shit rolls downhill right nick so let's talk about setting setting wherever the, the foundation, you know, in the front office, what's what, let, let, let's talk about what, what is your like mission statement as the White Sox? What is the White Sox way? And that needs to be explained to me. And if you can define what the White Sox way is, and that is taught from every level of your system, on up and up and down and that's how we live it and everybody's aware of what your mission statement is as an organization then that trickles down to your management group and then your managers manager on the field and your coaches so everybody's singing from the same hymn book and now there's no confusion about what this organization stands for or what it is and then you talk about the accountability and the this will happen if this happens and this happens if this happens, there aren't special. Well, there are, cause it's sports. There's always going to be special rules for superstars. I get that. The sleeping thing, I guess you could explain that away, but listen, everybody's going to be playing from the same set of rules. And then you've got to take that and you've got to figure out who your real leaders are and who can implement those into the clubhouse. And it doesn't have to be the committee. I think uh, Tony had like 20 guys, on his like veterans committee. It's like the whole team. It's like, well, why should not just bring everybody in at that point? But you've got to find, I think, you know, three or four quote unquote captain type guys. And those are the ones that are going to make sure that the, the rest of the rank and file are staying and going in the right direction. And if you have that system set up properly, it should run and show itself on the field because Then when everybody's accountable to each other, you've got a leader in your, your manager that's being, you know, implementing leadership the same way that his boss is and that the owner is, then you've got a really strong organization, Nick, and and whether it's in sports or whether it's in anything else, but when the owner does his own thing and has his own set of rules and sometimes hires his manager, and then you've got know the the vice president of baseball operations sometimes he does trade sometimes he doesn't depending <laughs> on the relationship. and you've got Rick yeah. Hahn who sometimes makes decisions really doesn't but I'm not really sure what he does other than he's got to be the you know the meat shield uh, you know for for Jerry I, I, again there's this such a dysfunction there Nick how can anything function properly once you get to the clubhouse
0: yeah a- absolutely it starts at the top and uh, Jerry Reinsdorf had opportunities this past week, was approached by media, would you care to comment, and uh, just would brush you know people off. And there were some wonderful articles written, uh, Tribune, Sun-Times, op-ed pieces on why the White Sox continue to White Sox. Why why are you the way you are? You know uh, Why does this continue to happen? And uh, taking everything you said, which was spot on, it absolutely starts at the top and and Jerry needs to get in front of people needs to get in front desperately needs to get if he cares at all, which I don't think he does. I think he stopped caring a long time ago and he's got people around him that protect him from all the negative stuff. And that will just tell him positive things, reassuring things. You're great. You're the greatest owner. Everything's going well. Look at our numbers. We're profitable, blah, blah, blah. Um, You know, if he does, if any of this does get to him, I don't know, maybe maybe he maybe there's an ounce of him. If there's an ounce, you need to get in front of a microphone. You need to get in front of, you know, a camera and talk to fans, talk to ticket holders, talk to the media, talk to White Sacks Nation and explain yourself. Give give your give your story and where the White Sacks are headed, where the organization is headed don't let Han do it don't let williams do it there's no accountability we don't have account- accountability problems at 35th and shields i want to hear from brian sidor finally and i think that's what's so aggravating is he just is consistently silent and it, it's just he can he does not care he absolutely does not care um you know even if you have somebody write the statement for you just deliver it for once you know get in front of uh, and talk to uh, the Sox fans.
1: Um, it's interesting because the uh, uh, AJ was on Waddle and Sylvia this past week, and they brought up, they asked him that question because he said he's whenever he's in town, he still talks to Jerry. They'll have dinner or whatever, and and he has said this. And, and in fact, it was funny because uh, uh, several years ago, I had an opportunity to play golf with with AJ, and I asked him the same thing, and he told me he said, "Listen, Jerry cares." Jerry cares about this. He, he, he is really invested. He gets sick to his stomach when they're losing. He'll leave games early. If they're not playing well, he goes to a, a lot, if not, it, you know, every game, but it just doesn't show, you yeah. know, you can tell me to your blue in the face that, yeah, the guy cares, but, but, are you really? Are you do you really believe that, or are you saying that because you're hoping to be employed as a manager someday by this mm, team? Because, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah, that was a talk of the town before Pedro got here, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. He threw his hat uh,
0: in the ring. Is it the Jay Cutler situation of your body language and the way you appear gives off a stink and gives off a vibe? But you may absolutely be passionate and you want to win like nobody else, and you absolutely care. It's just, you're not showing it. So that's what everyone goes with. That's what everybody runs with. And if if Reinser feels a sliver of what you just said, then all you need to do is, is finish this off by putting yourself in front of a camera every now and then mm-hmm. and having your PR person, somebody write you a speech and deliver it. Even if it's penned and put in a newspaper or in an article and you just sign it, that would help out. That would absolutely help. uh, But just to be silent and to give nothing while all this has been going on. And now there, you know, is a new, uh, there's a teardown. And I don't know where they're going right now. Remodel, retool. I feel like we'll find out more once the season ends and who sticks around and who doesn't. Uh, But it is a mess. It's an absolute mess. And, you know, I caught wind of something earlier this week. Again I'm not organizing this I talked about it on lockdown I've kind of tried to spread the news a little bit on social media the cesspool, uh, the, the, <laughs> the cesspool which Rickhan you're such a you're so tone deaf absolutely tone deaf you, you think that's gonna silence people um there is a, a reverse boycott. Uh, That is being planned in in the same vein of what happened uh, in Oakland a few months ago. And that was well organized. And that was uh, that was impressive what happened in Oakland. And it's and of course, it's not the same situation here, Chicago, Oakland. But we have uh, a mess on our hands and fans are so enraged. Uh, Sox fans are, I I I think, so angry that they just aren't being heard. They're not being listened. Listen to, and they want answers, and they they want some accountability. That it, it, it sounds like on August twenty fourth, which is a hmm. Thursday, uh, it is going to be a, a reverse boycott. There's somebody that's organizing it. You can find them on Twitter. Uh, their handle is at Sell the Team Jr. And I think they've had a, a White Sox Reddit page and. Uh, they they reached out to me and said, hey, can you just kind of blast this and get the word out? And look, you, you could participate in this. You cannot participate in it. Uh, I'm passing this along. I, I think this would be outstanding for a, just, you know, folks to rub shoulders with like-minded people. You're frustrated as a fan. You know, you want to get your message out. Hey, more power to you, you know, and uh, this is an opportunity to do that. And whether he listens or not, obviously, like this isn't going to change his mind. But I think it would be impressive to get that in droves uh, at a game on, on the twenty fourth. So um, it's against Oakland too. Oakland's yeah. in town, which which I think is a is a good time for it. So um, it
1: happens to be Pitchfork Night too. I've I've heard uh, on the twenty fourth, which would be good, and oh, people sure. bring your torches and pitchforks. it will be great.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, what, and, and then I, I'll get like, well, it's not going to matter. You're just going to give Jerry all this concession money and this and this and that. And the dude's going to make, you know, he's going to make, he's going to make money. He's going to make his money no matter what. If people, if fans want to do this and this is how they want to show their anger, um, I'm all for it you know i'm not going to tell somebody like well you you're going to just be putting more money in his pocket like we're trying to send a message here and you know i don't if he listens he, he listens whatever if he if someone protects him from all this it very well could be uh but that would be great if if there was just you know in droves on, on the 24th
1: yeah, that'd be great. I, I, I would be totally in favor of it. I don't know if I'm available that night, but um, I would be totally in favor of doing that. I think it's the right way to go because uh, rather than just have it be a silent ballpark or a dead night and and really, you know, it's just another night at the office for the for the front office, right? Kick your your feet up, have your big fat cigar and whatever you brought in at the gate, fine. How are we, are we still under 1.98 million uh, account for the year? Fantastic. Don't have to pay that extra tax. Wonderful. No, go out, do the chance, sell the team, do it to your, you know, to your, your, your horse. I mean, I I think it's fair now, but I would say respectfully, I don't want to be nobody gets in trouble or thrown out of the game or. Is overserved and does things that they I think Oakland did doing. it the
0: right way. They absolutely yeah. did. Yeah. You had, they had sure. shirts, they had signs, they, they had organized chants of what innings they were going to do it. Um, you know, you want your fi- fire Han chance, fire Kenny, sell the team. I mean, you know, do it in a respectful way that you're not, you know, damaging someone else's experience. Um, that, that I mean, it takes a lot of planning. It really does take a lot of organization because. There's going to be some angry folks, I believe, you know, there's going to be some angry, passionate fans. Um, And it's taking that that anger and trying to channel it into some sort of unified, cohesive like this is our message. It's tough. It's tough to do. So it's tough to take on.
1: Especially with a with a fan base that's been disrespected the last couple of years with not having some type of fan fest, even though it was interesting, they said that, they're, they're yeah. going to find a way to celebrate the fans. You, you won't say they're going to have a, a socks fest, but how how will you celebrate? The this fans? is how are they're going to celebrate. Them. Coming,
0: Nobody knows are, this. Yeah, are, there are more there, pins? your pins? You're your correct. Did you get your pins pin, are finally... by the
1: way corrected? Did I tell you what happened with that? You told me how? they gave you the wrong number. Have they
0: corrected everybody from everybody I talked to? got the wrong number and some like by 15, 16 years, it was off. Some by 20 years they were off on how many years you've been a season ticket holder. Well, I I told you, I think I I got an email that said, uh, you know, we, we recognize the situation. We recognize the problem. Uh, we're going to be, you know, trying to figure this thing out, expect a new pen in six to
1: (laughs) six to eight weeks. Six i thought maybe weeks. they would have i thought maybe they would have got on it i know here's a that's when you uh um, under promise over deliver type of thing i thought maybe that you would tell me you know they did the right thing i got my uh the correct pin i do live you know within within a five minute walk of yeah. the stadium somebody get to walk down to your house knocked on your door and said no, mr yeah. morowski here's Here's the correct pin for you, but that didn't, that hasn't happened.
0: I see. No, I, I, that's what I think is so funny. So in six to eight weeks, you were talking about maybe a couple of months. We're in early fall, very early fall, late late summer, depending mm-hmm. on you know what you go by. Maybe that's the way they celebrate all of us is, Hey, we got everybody the correct pins this fall slash winter. So Consider we'll yourself celebration. Come <laughs>
1: yeah. on. Uh
0: So the Cubs, you know, <laughs> who, who the, the Sox are going to be playing uh, this coming week. Uh, round two of the Crosstown Cup uh, oh, in, in yes. Wrigley. Um, the Cubs announced they've got their fan fest going, the tickets on sale and, uh, no word about a Sox Fest uh, in late January 2024. If they don't have one, it'll be the fourth <gasps> year in a row uh, without a fan fest. So,
1: at this point, why have one? Why have one? You've already you've gotten it to the point where people are probably used to not going now. Why, why put out whatever you had to put out, shell out money.
0: This this is why I think those fan fests are, are are important. Like there are people that live in, in that are Sox fans that live in areas outside of, you know, the Chicagoland area, even they live away from other Sox fans. Maybe they don't have a lot of Sox fans in their life. Maybe they're the lone white Sox fan in their family or, or workplace or whatever, and they want to rub shoulders with people that are like-minded like them. They want some place to celebrate and gather and, you know, and appreciate their fandom. And it, it's an outlet. It's an opportunity to do that. So uh, we take this for granted. Like I've got a lot of sock, White Sox friends and, and my whole family's White Sox and has been for multiple generations. And, and I, you know, but not everybody has that. And they're looking for an opportunity to say, you know what, I'm going to go gather with a lot of White Sox fans. I know that's happening. I can count on it once a year. It's a three day festival and it it just, you know, it gives me a, a recharge and gets me excited for the season. That's why
1: I think we just organize our own thing. I think you and i should organize a festival a three-day festival <laughs> Three we'll invite other other would, uh, content other white Sox content people yeah
0: I, I, we've kicked this idea around before of you know you know trying to get trying to rope together a bunch of other content creators you know bloggers podcasts and and get something together like that um it's a uh, it's it's a it's a daunting task, you know, because I I'm not trying to make money on this. You know, it, it's just it's just trying to just trying to get fans together, get trying to get Sox fans together and just hang out.
1: I think this is a great project for you, Nick. Um, you should take this on. You really should. You are embody everybody, every White Sox fan out there. And why not you head this up? You create the White Sox fan fest.
0: You know, I'm leaving locked on and this could be my new this could be my new project. You're going to um, have so
1: much time on your hands. Yeah. Nick. You, what else yeah. are you going to do? You I might know. as well. What you else we going to do? We we'll have ribs there. I, that would be my suggestion. Make a rib fest, but for uh, but a White Sox fest instead.
0: Yeah. We'll I'll, I'll have to I'll have to think about this a little bit. Um but there has to be something. It, it, it's just really unfortunate. And that's where this, you know, reverse boycott I think uh, it, it gains even more steam. It's just like there's just a lot of uh, there's so many disgruntled White Sox fans, and that's putting it mildly. Um, yeah. That is that is the, the calm way of saying it. So you know we have like a
1: disgruntled fan base. I was actually leaving church today, Nick, and I was talking to somebody, and he's we're, we're standing uh, still in the almost the entrance of church, and he's cussing about the White Sox, and I had go. to remind him that we were in the house of the Lord. Yeah. Well, that's everywhere. And he, and he also said, "I hope, I, I hope Jerry dies." And I said, "Well, maybe we yeah. should step out of this out of yeah. this uh, building before you say say that." But
0: anytime you're walking around, I, I found this so many times. Um, I, you know, I've got a socks hat on or a shirt, and you run into somebody that has got socks gear on, and they'll say, you know kind of tough isn't it these days tough to be wearing that hat or whatever and you just then you just spend three to four minutes venting about yeah. this team and, and, it, and then it all circles back to top down ownership and down and it's 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 fascinating you know everybody is is so upset and you just don't know where to put your your frustration and, and the this, this stomach that this is probably going to go on now with the. Uh, uh, you know a lack of accountability and a lack of focus um for a couple years maybe it, it's it's tough to really process
1: but we'll get through it together we sure will you and i and and all of our great fans we'll just uh we'll persevere that's what i like i tell my kids it gives us character sax fans have so much character we do have a lot of character we have Sox built strong have, characters. Have a lot
0: of character um so yeah i i with with all this going i i just want to see the sax beat the cubs because the cubs actually they they are you know they've got some they've got some stuff to play for yeah and the Sox need to have some redemption and i'd love to just have them punch them in the mouth and uh spoil some things for them that's what the Sox can do is play spoiler and might as well start against the north siders
1: playing spoiler would be fun uh playing with some type of like listen listen look at this as your this is your playoffs this is your world series type of thing and this is the closest thing you're going to get so uh
0: i just want to i want to note greg's comment um because i i believe it is a it's a Seinfeld deep cut. Um, I believe George said that you know people are always telling me I'm quite a character.
1: I think uh, that could be true I and then cr- and then true. it
0: was Kramer Now Kramer's a character. Um, I, I believe that that is where we're going with that.
1: Well that's yeah. excellent. Good job Greg. That's um, off to you.
0: So, uh, who knows, Pat? I'm looking for some developmental stuff. I am looking to see uh, guys that are going to be around in 2024. I want to see where we're headed. I want some young guys to get an opportunity in the next coming you know weeks, the next coming you know month, you know, before the season is up. You know, Pedro's going to change his tone, the organization has got to change that. And uh, there's going to be some wins compromised because they're going to be giving the youth some opportunities to start seeing what we have.
1: Well, yeah, and and for me and for everybody in that organization, the off season begins now, and and you've got to take a look and see what you have, and you've got to push guys to be in situations where they might not normally be, see how they handle it, and for guys that have no future on this team or any anything, just it be behoove you to cut ties. And move on from those types of individuals if they're not serving you or serving maybe younger players that are coming into this situation any good, then you might you might want to think about, you know, just ponying up the money and saying thank you for your services. Thank you for at one point being the highest paid White Sox player of all time. Uh, Have a nice rest of your life.
0: Before we before we leave um, and you obviously, you know, you got your your chance to change your mind and and it's pretty early. But after everything that has happened over the last couple of weeks, especially this past week, uh, Rick Hahn, stick around as general manager in your mind.
1: It's interesting, Nick. I mean, I I, I think I commented in the chat that I think he knows he's out. He's just made some comments recently, Mm -hmm. even even more arrogant than normal and more snarky a little perhaps? bit snarky a little more arrogant and a little more like I, I know I'm out of here type of thing it's somebody else is making these decisions you know it's almost like he's saying it without saying it and mm-hmm. he knows that his days are numbered as as the GM and maybe it's it's a one of those mutual you know, partings type of thing. It's like, oh, sure. I love those. Yeah. If, if you were him, wouldn't you want to do that? Nick, he could probably get a job in some other organization, not as a GM, but he could probably get a job somewhere in baseball. Why would you want to be here? I don't know why, why you would. Why would I mean, you want to be somewhere where you're not? Nobody wants you here other than one person.
0: You know, I think it's so, I would imagine it's pretty time sensitive. Like when you're a player, you have, you have no choice you know, you get traded and like you have to uproot your family and everything. And then of course you can get canned as a manager, as a GM. I absolutely feel like he is protected and has been protected, of course. And I really only thought the way he was going to leave is if he stepped down, but you know, you got to look at, I would say he's probably got a couple kids and like where they're at in school. And is this the right time to like, get them out of this, you know, they've got a collection of friends and is this the right time to move on and and leave this environment and, and go somewhere else? I'm just thinking it in in that terms, you know, and if everything lines up and he's like, you know what, my kids are graduating. They're going into high school. This is actually the perfect time to uproot and, you know, try, try something else. Maybe, maybe it lines up and and he's like, you know what, I'm, I don't want, why would I want this anymore? you know but he wants it because it's a gig yeah it's a it's a a well-paying gig and he's got constant job protection and he doesn't have to provide results
1: i suppose that's true if you were setting the line in vegas nick what would you put it at is is him returning as general manager or whatever his title is according to joe and i agree with him he's not really the gm anyway so
0: (laughs) right i think it's 50 50 right Mm. now i i there's still a, there's a part of me that just thinks he's, you know, that nothing is going to change. You know, this is all going to just, uh, they're all, it's just all going to kind of fade away and the business is going to get back to, you know, normal. The, the organization wants apathy from fans. They want fans to just stop caring. Don't do a reverse boycott. Don't care about this team passionately, you know, on the cesspool on white sex, Twitter cesspool. Like don't, we don't, don't pay attention to what we're doing. Cause we're going to keep mucking around and doing our thing in this organization and don't call us out. Like don't care about us almost. But I think the fact that so many people still do and keep getting riled up. That's where I think maybe, maybe this is finally going to be an opportunity for some change. And that's just me hopeful. That's why I just kind of yeah. put that 50 50.
1: Yeah. Well um, let's, let's. I guess we just wait and see. Yeah. Pat, it's always a
0: pleasure, buddy, despite uh, the stuff we have to talk about here.
1: Yeah, it's I always enjoy our therapy sessions. Thank you, <laughs> yep. Nick. Um, yep. And I look yep. forward to talking about it with you next week.
0: <laughs> Hopefully. I'm really hoping we talk about, you know, a two-game sweep
1: against the Cubs. I hope that's now, what, what we can do. What are we what are joking about here? We haven't yeah. had anything to positive <laughs> talk about in two years. I
0: know. Uh, folks, really appreciate you jumping in in the comments, uh, being with us here. Uh, On our YouTube channel, please subscribe. Pass this along to other White Sox fans in your life. The audio is available uh, everywhere. We're on uh, Twitter, Cesspool, at GoodGuysTV. We've got a Facebook (laughs) fan page. For Pat Hester, I am Nick Murawski. Until next time, go Sox.